Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne Spearman, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Today is October the 27th. This is a teaching ministry that is designed to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people to God. Today, we're working our way, continuing to work our way through the book of Acts. Last time we were together was Sunday, and we did session number 37, and we covered chapter 25, to the end, then we broke into chapter number 26 and got down to about uh, verse number 10. So we're going to pick up there today. This week I'm on the road, so I just don't have the setup that I have when I'm at home. So the studies are going to be audio for the week, unless I can figure out a better way to do it. So for now we're going to do audio. Um, so let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Acts chapter number 26, and let's just read down through verse number 10, then we'll pick up into new territory today. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day, before thee, touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Now, bear in mind, we talked that Herod um, actually came from the Herodian dynasty, who were descendants of the Edomites. And as you'll remember, the Edomites were, were the uh, descendants of Esau. And of course, Esau's brother was Jacob. So through Jacob, we have the Israelites, and through Esau, we have the Edomites. So uh, when Paul says, I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, he knew what he was saying. And then notice verse number five. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. Now, as everybody knows who I am, I grew up right among them, which knew me from the beginning. If they would tell the truth, testify, that after the most straightest sect of the religion, I lived a Pharisee. So Paul was a, a Pharisee. Uh, remember in Israel, you had the two groups. You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees. The Pharisees uh, believed in the resurrection from the dead, the spirit world, and the afterlife. And the Sadducees did not. The Pharisees were the rabbis. This, the uh, Sanhedrin, or the Sadducees, uh, made up a large portion of the Sanhedrin. They were just more politically involved. Now, there were Pharisees on, in the Sanhedrin, but they just wasn't as politically minded as the, the Sadducees were. So Paul hears a little bit of his background. He says, you know who I am. And now, in verse number six, I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise that God made unto our fathers. So now... I'm standing before you being judged for the very thing that our fathers hoped for, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. In other words, I'm being accused of believing in the promises that were made to our fathers about the hope that would come, for which hope's sake I'm accused of the Jews. And of course, what's that hope that Paul's talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah. And he says, I'm being judged because of that. So he's making it very clear that the only reason he's standing there was because he preached the resurrection, the coming of the Messiah and the resurrection. It wasn't about the Mosaic law and the circumcision and the customs at all. 
and understand that none of this was anything that Rome was interested in. Festus had brought Paul to Agrippa to find something to write to Caesar. He wasn't finding anything because all the accusations here are Jewish. They have nothing to do with Roman or civil law. He also points out that Christ was the fulfillment of all the promises that was given to the nation, and that's why I'm being judged today, for believing that Christ was the fulfillment of those promises that were given to the nation. And he says in verse number 8, Why should it be thought a thing incredible to you that God would raise the dead? In other words, why should any of us be surprised that God can raise the dead? I mean, the God who flung the stars into space, the, the God who made man from dirt, the God that breathed life into his lungs. I mean, the resurrection should be just as credible as anything else that God has done. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you there's no resurrection from the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ isn't risen. And if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is also in vain. Understand the heart of the gospel, both kingdom and grace, is the resurrection of the dead. I mean, Christ had to raise from the dead. And he says in verse number nine, I verily thought with myself, that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In other words, in my early life, I thought that I needed to withstand this Jesus of Nazareth. I need to do many things contrary to him, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. So Paul is referring to his pre-conversion life when he actively went after the followers of Christ. And notice he says, the saints. He says, I went after many of the saints and I shut them up in prison. Who was Paul going after? He was going after the Jewish believers, the Jews that accepted the preaching of the Christ and the kingdom. The Jews that had responded positively to Peter's message in Acts chapter number two and following. I heavily lean and I pointed to this that I believe the word saints is applicable to the Jewish believers only. Now, I'm not willing to, to bet the farm on it at this point, but I'm becoming reasonably convinced. And I think translations and everything gets involved there. And I think that's why we get so confused. We're all reading out of a different hymn book, you know, with with different words for different things. But I'm beginning to believe that. So I shared that with you last time. Now in verse number 11, and I punished them oft in every synagogue. Who's them? The Jews, the ones that he was following, the, the followers of the way. I punished them oft in every synagogue. I compelled them to blaspheme and be exceedingly mad against them. When he says, I compelled them to blaspheme, I compelled them to speak against the Christ, the Jesus of Nazareth. And being exceedingly mad or angry against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. In other words, I chased them all over the place. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. Now, comma. Now, I can't help but notice where Paul was persecuting these followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Where was he persecuting them? In the synagogues. They, just like Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, and even throughout the book of Acts, he never stopped 
continued to worship in the synagogues and participate in the temple. They continued to do these things. They didn't forsake the synagogue. They didn't start the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. They continued to worship in the, in the, to study and to fellowship in the synagogues. They continued to do sacrifice um, in the temple. And I understand and understand the problem that Paul had with them was the exact same problem that his accusers were having with him. They believed and were teaching the resurrection. The problem that Paul had with them in his early life when he was persecuting them even unto death was because they believed and were teaching the resurrection. And that is the exact same problem that they have with Paul right now. <laughs> that is the problem. That is what they are accusing Paul of. I mean, they're masking it behind the Mosaic law and you know the circumcision and the customs. But it has everything to do with the fact that he is preaching that Christ rose from the dead. And then notice verse 13. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light. Now he's recounting his testimony. He's, he's recounting his Damascus Road conversion that happened in Acts chapter number 9. He said, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. Now this is the third time that Paul is sharing his testimony. And every time he shares his testimony, we learn just a little bit more about it. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. So remember that, well, the first thing I see here, I heard in the Hebrew tongue. Uh, Hebrews chapter number nine doesn't say it was in the Hebrew tongue, but naturally you would imagine that it would have been in the Hebrew tongue. Um, and also understand something. Uh, Paul did not get his new name. No, notice Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He was called Saul up until chapter number 13. As a matter of fact, chapter number 13, verse number 9 was the first time he was called Saul. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him. Uh, so in his early life, pre-conversion and even after conversion in Acts chapter number nine, he continued to be called Saul until after he had received the mystery, the gospel of grace, the body of Christ. At that point, he is called Paul. And of course, he preached the first gospel of grace that we can see in Acts 13. He's called Saul in Acts 13, nine. He preached the first gospel of grace in Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. That is not the kingdom gospel. That is the grace gospel. Because under the kingdom gospel, yes, they both have forgiveness. Yes, the kingdom gospel, um, he was crucified, buried, rose again so that he can forgive the sins that were committed under the Old Testament so that he can bring in through his own blood the New Testament. So for forgiveness is common to both. However, keeping the law of Moses was required under the kingdom gospel, but under the grace gospel, 
ye are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified under the law of Moses. So clearly Acts 13, 38, 39 is the first time that he preached the grace gospel after he received his new name. Then notice in verse number 15, and I said, uh, in 26, 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. So this tells us that not everything was revealed to Paul at his initial conversion. And, and bear in mind, don't get outside of Acts chapter number 9. He is given a testimony about Acts chapter number 9, that experience. And he says, I'm going to make thee a minister and a witness both to what you've seen, which is what he saw right there on the Damascus Road in the moment, and of things in which I will reveal to you, or I will appear unto you later. So this tells us that Paul didn't receive everything. Paul didn't totally understand the postponement of Israel. God, Paul didn't totally understand the rapture. Paul didn't to totally understand those things. And of course, 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it is expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So Paul had multiple visions, multiple revelations. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. So it was plural. He received revelations. And that's what this is this verse it is saying. It's important that we not forget that he's forgiving, he is giving his conversion experience in Acts chapter number nine. Everything he's talking about is in regard to the kingdom, not the grace gospel. Remember, his, I believe, and most mid-Acts dispensationalists believe that Paul was converted. The testimony of his conversion by the grace gospel was a separate event. In 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That means I'm the first. That doesn't mean I'm the worst. I'm the first. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first, same word, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. So Jesus Christ showed all, all long suffering in Paul first for a pattern to them, you and me, that should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. So I believe Paul was converted, the, the account of his conversion under the grace gospel. So that means Paul was converted on two gospels. He was converted under the kingdom gospel in Acts 9, and he was converted under the grace gospel later. So he was the first. So the body of Christ started with Paul. That's why we can't say the church was born in Acts chapter number two, because Paul, had not been on the scene yet. It couldn't have started in Acts chapter number nine because Paul was converted under the kingdom gospel. It happened later when Paul was converted under the gospel of grace. He was the first one in and everybody else was a pattern that should follow. 
And then notice to open their eyes in verse number 18, Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. So tomorrow we'll get into that um, because Paul's still not talking about the gospel of grace. He is talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And we'll, 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 uh, we'll look at verse number 18 further tomorrow. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.